Saints fans, Pelicans fans, let's go. This is the Black and Blue Report. Black. Bree is going to go deep. He's got Graham. Touchdown. Blue. Down the lane. Shoots. No. Tip follow in for Davis with three tenths of a second left. Welcome into the podcast for the fans, straight from the teams they love. It's good to see you guys, and uh, I didn't know we had Studio B here in our facility. Good setup. Now that I know where your guys' little office is, I can pop in here whenever I want. Well, we're playing through AD, and so everybody's going to have to adjust to that. Coaches, players, analysts, celebrities, and more. That guy's Anthony Mackie. I've gotten in many of our arguments about the Pelicans and the Saints uh, over the years. Harry Connick Jr. joins us here on the Black and Blue Report. Undoubtedly, to me, the Saints are the singular reason that New Orleans is back on the map. Hoda Kotb from the Today Show on NBC, our guest. You know, New Orleans gets in your blood. The Saints never leave it once they get in there. This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio. Wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. How goes it? Welcome into the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. Greetings today from Cleveland, Ohio. Sean Kelly here with you on the road with the Pelicans as we get set to bring you a good show today where we talk about, of course, the Pelicans road trip and, unfortunately, a Saints Ball game that didn't go the right way yesterday at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. But nonetheless, here in Cleveland, it is sunny in the 40s, and the Pelicans tonight will be looking for their third straight win, second straight on the road, when they take on LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers. We'll jump inside the Pelicans with, of course, Joel Myers, the television voice of the Pelicans on Fox Sports New Orleans. And we'll talk about uh, tonight's ball game and and, uh, last Saturday night's big win over the San Antonio Spurs. As far as the Saints go, that 27-24 to overtime loss yesterday to the 49ers, we've got John DeShazer to help us look inside the numbers and give us uh, some feeling of uh, what uh, the Saints were like in the locker room yesterday after the football game and what this week may now be for a Saints team that finds itself at 4-5 and five overall, 3-1 and one at home with two more left on this homestand. And, of course, another interesting week in the NFL across the board, and Steve White from the NFL Network will be here on this Monday show as he's been uh, most generously with us quite a bit throughout the NFL season. This was an interesting trip to Cleveland, by the way. Well, I've got you for a second before we jump into our guest. The uh, Pelicans were to arrive here yesterday evening and the scheduled to leave San Antonio, Texas at 4 o'clock Central Time yesterday. Well, due to mechanical problems, the Pelicans didn't leave San Antonio until 10 p.m. last night and did not get into their beds until 2.30 a.m. this morning here in Cleveland. So, what was to be a kind of a um, an easier day in Cleveland, uh, the second game of this road trip, now feels like the uh, second game of a back-to-back. And so Monty Williams is adjusting the team schedule today. And then uh, tonight at 6 Central, it'll be Pelicans and Cavaliers at Quicken Loans Arena. Uh, we'll talk more about that a little bit later in the show. Uh, but certainly we want to get into the Saints action from yesterday and talk about the loss of the 49ers. John DeShazer is here to do uh, that with us, and he leads off our guest list in just a moment. In New Orleans, food is more than a passion, it's a tradition. And Zatarans has been part of that tradition for 125 years. From jambalaya and dirty rice to crab boil and more, Zatarans has been jazzing up dinner since before there was jazz. And we're excited about what next season might bring. Jazz it up tonight with Zatarans, proud sponsor of the New Orleans Pelicans. Everything you need to know about your New Orleans Pelicans is right in the palm of your hands. The New Orleans Pelicans app is easy to use, plus makes an excellent companion whether you're watching the team in the Smoothie King Center or on the road. Recently added features on the app include the latest videos and highlights, plus access to a full list of arena amenities. Download the Pelicans app for free now on your iPhone or Android devices. For more information, check out pelicans.com today. We're talking Saints football on the Black and Blue Report. 
Welcome back into the Black and Blue Report. Let's turn our attention now to a senior writer for NewOrleansSaints.com, John DeShazer. John anchored our coverage yesterday, of course, uh, via digital media of the Saints and 49ers yesterday. John, as we just talked about in the first segment, another close loss here for the Saints, falling in overtime to the 49ers yesterday. Um, of course, I had to watch it from afar, so I'm going to lean on you as you were at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Start us off. What's the, what's the overall tenor right now? of the Saints franchise as they dip back below 500. Well, I think the feeling is more anger than anything. I mean, we've seen this team lose some close games this season. And after Atlanta, uh, the season opener, I think there was optimism because they were saying, you know, hey, if we play this way, we're going to win a lot of games. And then Cleveland, you know, it, it was a little, you know, different mood. And then, you know, the loss at, at Detroit, the feeling was, okay, we lost the game, but we're on the right track. But this one, I think, you know, will eat a little bit more. And, and not just because, you know, it's a home game and it's San Francisco and, and you know, it's a physical game. And, you know, the, the feeling over the years has been that San Francisco, you know, not the feeling, but the 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 word has been San Francisco has been the more physical team. And, this, and the Saints yet have mixed, matched that physicality. But I think that one just stung yesterday because, you know, it, it's – the fourth loss by three or fewer points. They have four losses by a cumulative total of nine points. And after a while, it starts, you know, I'm not saying it's, it's playing, you know, tricks with the Saints' mind, but, you know, it's got to get to you a little bit that, hey, you know, we can't finish these games, and there are four of them. And, if and, you know, it doesn't take a, a rocket scientist. You look at it, and even if you can split the four, you know, the Saints are in great shape. If you can win three of the four, they're in fantastic shape. If you can sweep the four, you know, they probably clinched the division <laughs> already by now. But uh, unfortunately, they've lost the four, and so it's still struggling, still have their fate in their own hands. But, you know, psychologically, it's going to do a little something to you to continue to lose games that way because you feel like, you know, what is it about us that we can't get it done? This razor's edge in these close games, John, so you take – you take the box score and you start making your way down the box score and you're saying, hmm, looks good, looks good, looks good. And you get all the way down to turnovers. Yep. And the takeaways, again, favored the winner. And that seems to be the difference in some of these close games. That really is the difference for the Saints this season. When they've won, they've held on to the football. When they've lost, they have not protected the football. And that, you know, you hear, you hear Coach Sean Payton talk about that all the time. He said, you know, the single most, you know, reliable statistic in football if you look at the numbers and you look at the percentage of the winning is the turnover ratio, you know, really, as you mentioned, San Francisco was just about dominated in every category statistically, but they won the one that counted and that's the turnover ratio. And every time it happens, you know, the Saints had three costly turnovers yesterday. Two of them lead to 10 points. One, you know, they, you know, San Francisco returns an interception, 22 yards, punch in a short touchdown. They get the fumble, recovery and overtime immediately kicked the field goal. That's 10 points. And then Drew Brees threw an end zone interception to take points away from the Saints. So you can basically say 13 to 17 points are attributable to turnovers. And when you're, you know, when you're walking that razor's edge in the NFL, all those things mount up, they add up, and it's difficult to overcome when you're playing a good team, you know, a three to one turnover ratio deficit. John, the Saints defense pitched a shutout for almost the entire second half. Almost is the key word there. Take me through that last drive that ties the ball game and sends it to overtime. What was it that San Francisco was suddenly able to do again? Well, again, it was one of those situations where, you know, Junior Gallet said it best, you know, what could what what could you want more than to have them fourth and ten at their own twenty two? So they're at their twenty two, fourth and ten. And Colin Kaepernick, you know, a mobile quarterback, is able to scramble to his right, you know, the, the pass rush flushes him. He scrambles to his right. He avoids, you know, another rusher, and he, you know, basically th throws a 51-yard bomb to Michael Crabtree. And this is a play that probably takes 8, 10, 12 seconds, you know, to, to run, you know, with that kind of scramble. And, and I don't care who you are. You can be as good a secondary, as good a defense as you want to be. But if you can't get a guy on the ground in 8 seconds or so, and it seemed like longer than that. But if you can't get him on the ground, you know, there's going to be a breach in coverage. And unfortunately, Michael Crabtree is able to sneak behind the secondary. He's wide open. And if Ka Kaepernick can throw it farther, 
He's got a walk-in touchdown. Unfortunately, the Kaepernick couldn't. I mean, he threw it probably 70 yards in the air after he throws it across the field. He throws it from the right sideline basically to the left hash mark where the, caught is, where the catch is made. But, again, you know, you pitch the shutout. You do everything right. You get him in fourth and ten. You get him in a great situation. And because the quarterback is mobile and able to scramble and guys, you know, peek into the backfield, you know, somebody sneaks behind and all of a sudden – you know, all Hades breaks loose, and they're able to get him loose and, and, and make a catch and kick a field goal. Mark Ingram has another 100-yard uh, ball game. John Drew Brees, other than the interceptions, throws for 287. Uh, the defense, like you said, pitched a shutout for almost the entire second half. Um, do you think, do you think when, you, when you have certain things go well, like the Saints did for so many ways, in so many ways yesterday, and these close losses you're talking about, at what point do you think frustration sets in here and becomes a storyline in itself? Well, I think I think now is exactly that time. I think I think you're out of you know throughout the locker room. I don't think anybody will feel good. And you know against Detroit, they it almost felt like the Saints felt like they had turned the corner, and it was almost like they felt like you know even though they didn't win that game, it was like kind of a moral victory. Well, moral victories add up psychologically. But victory victories are the ones that add up in the one loss column in black and white. And that's what they're not getting. And so the frustration would be natural, you know, and I know you try to flush it out, you know, the day of and the next day and, you know, you're ready to, you know, get up and get at them on Wednesday when practice begins again. But it's got to leak over some because, again, it's a fourth close loss this season. And at some point it has to kind of, you know, affect you mentally to where you where you're thinking. Okay, you know this mistake or that mistake. You know, th- these are games when you lose four games by three points or less. You're talking about a play here, a play there, and every time you turn around, you can look at a specific play that will end up costing that game. You know, you look at yesterday. The specific play is the Kaepernick. You know, getting out of trouble and on and them converting fourth and ten. You get a you know you convert fourth and ten defensively, game's over. You don't convert convert defensively. You're in overtime. You get this you know sack strip. Now all of a sudden the game's over. Same thing in Atlanta. You know here's a play that'll win the game. You know an inter, uh, an end zone interception in Atlanta. As a matter of fact, um, unfortunately Drew Brees had another one of those in Atlanta. You get a pick six in Cleveland. Cleveland ends up winning 26-24. Well that's seven points that wouldn't have been on the board. You know, you get in Detroit and Golden Tate, you know, there's a, a long conversion on third and 10 or fourth and 10 or whatever it was. Golden Tate ends up catching a 73-yard touchdown. You know, it's a play you can point at. And I know there's, um, you know, a thousand plays over the course of a game that you can look at, but you can look at a single scoring play or something that where points were put directly on the board that would have made a huge, huge difference for the Saints. John DeShazer here with us on the Black and Blue Report. Hey, John, one storyline that does go away is the home winning streak. Um, and so for the first time, you talk about a Saints team that isn't automatic at home. Uh, that in itself can have somewhat of an effect, I guess, for this team. Well, yeah, I think Zach Streif, uh, the right tackle, said it best. He said, you know, even though they had won the, the previous home games, they weren't, you know, good, clean wins. They were, you know, there were still a ton of mistakes and, the, you know, the team still struggled and, and so, you know, that's where you look at a team and you say, okay, even though they cleaned up against Green Bay, but the previous two games they hadn't looked against Minnesota and against Tampa Bay, they hadn't played particularly well. So, you know, it seemed like if, if it was going to happen, I guess, this might have been the year right for it to happen. But, you know, the way they, you know, roared back yesterday and took that 24 to 21 lead in the fourth quarter, 152 left in the game. You felt like, okay, they they flipped this thing. They, you know, this one will be in the bag, especially the way the defense is playing, and unfortunately, aren't able to close out. And you know, one of the things we talked about, you know, you and I have said, and and everybody else has said, you can't depend on the game being won just because of the venue. You got to go out and you know actually execute. And they didn't execute well enough to win the game. And, and San Francisco. Again, you look, I think Colin Kaepernick was like 14 for 32 passing yesterday or something like that and was sacked four times and was able to, you know, get out of trouble when he needed to the most and get off get off a pass and, and help his team win the game. And that's what the Saints are saying. You know, they're not making enough critical plays in critical situations. Yeah, they make a lot of plays throughout the course of the game. But when it's really time to make that last play, to make that last finishing kick, they haven't done it a couple. They haven't done it four times, as a matter of fact. And, and in those four times, they've you know had some close losses. 
Interesting stuff. Hey, J.D., the national pundits are saying this morning that San Francisco saved its season with the win yesterday in New Orleans. What does this do to the Saints season now? Put it in a bigger picture for me. Well, the Saints, I mean, you know, as crazy as it sounds, four and five still control their own destiny. So, you know, if, if this thing doesn't affect them psychologically, and they've done a pretty good job this, this season of bouncing back mentally. If it doesn't affect them psychologically, you know, they're still in great position going into tonight's game. Carolina is three, five, and one. The Saints are four and five. The Saints have already won at Carolina. So they basically kind of own the tie break right there. All they have to do is beat them here. They've got all they got to do is win enough games to keep Carolina at bay because I don't think Atlanta or Tampa is going to catch up. And so, you know, they still control their own fate. But, you know, again, you know, losing so many close games, you know, they have to say, okay, yeah, we have our own fate, but what are we going to do with it? Because they've been bitten in these in these close games. And and I think I saw a statistic where they, you know, the four losses by three points or less are the most in the NFL this season. I mean, you can you can go through an entire NFL season or three seasons and not have four losses like this. And so the Saints have four in the same season. They've got three overtime games in the same season. When's the last time you heard of that from a team? Yeah, and no so, doubt. you know, it's, it's just one of those situations where they have their own fate. They have it in their hands. So can they clear their heads, get ready for Cincinnati, you know, hopefully beat Cincinnati, get ready for Baltimore, and get something out of this nice home stretch here that they have? Because, But, it, again, it takes a strong mental team. They are a pretty strong mental team. This team knows what it feels like to win, but they hadn't had that winning feeling a lot this season. John, I always ask you this on Mondays, you know, kind of as, as we plan out our week, and I always say, hey, what do you think we should be looking for, be listening for on Wednesday when the team reconvenes in full and we get our first chance to talk to them or see them? Uh, I'll do so publicly today here on the Black and Blue Report. Uh, come Wednesday, what are some of the things that we need to look for and or listen for on Wednesday? Well, I guarantee you what you're going to hear is a team that's going to be a lot more optimistic Wednesday because they will have flushed this one by then, and they will be looking ahead. And, and like I said, as as much as you look at the record and say, you know, they're a four and five team, you know, and and they're probably looking at each other saying we're a four and five team, but you still look at the standings and you still look at the schedule and you still are able to say all we have to do is handle our own business and get to the play, win the division, get in the playoffs. Doesn't matter how it doesn't matter if you're back in, it doesn't matter if you bust through the front door, it doesn't matter if you, you know, turn sideways and skinny in. It doesn't matter how you get in the playoffs. If you can win your division, whatever your record is, you get a home football game. And if you get that home football game and you win that home football game, then you roll from there. You take your chances, and that's what the Saints have to be looking at. Home field advantage eh, might be a little bit out of reach right now at four and five, unless you can win straight out. And you don't necessarily you, – you can't bank on that. But they can bank on the fact that they have their fate in their own hands. And that's what's going to lead to the optimism, even though they're 4-5 and five and that's nowhere near where they, where they thought they would be record-wise in nine games. They still control their own fate, and that's why they'll be walking around on Wednesday probably you know not feeling great but feeling pretty good because you still know it's in your hands. You don't, you're not walking around saying, okay, we need this team to beat that team and that team to beat that team, and we need you know this team to lose three losses so we can catch up. No, you're right there in the league. All you got to do is win. Now, can they win? We'll have to see. But they still control their own fate, so I would imagine Wednesday's move, it won't be light, but it won't be as dire as it might be otherwise. Well said. Good points. Um, both teams next weekend in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome will be coming in off of a loss as the Saints welcome in the Cincinnati Bengals. John, thank you very much. Have a good Monday. I know that you'll hear more and uh, have more for us at NewOrleansSaints.com, but we always appreciate it, buddy. Going to roll through, man. You, you look, you're in Cleveland. Get get a win tonight. You know, Take the LeBrons down and come on home with the back-to-back, You know, a nice little mini road trip here. No doubt. I'll look forward to that, and I'll see you, of course, on Wednesday for Saints coverage and then, of course, for Pelicans-Lakers on Wednesday night. We'll take a look at the NFL in general from the weekend, and that'll be with, of course, Steve Weich, who joins us again on this Monday from the NFL Network, next. At the Auctioner Hospital for Children, no matter where you turn, you're surrounded by bravery. Children and teens dealing with health problems beyond their years. Parents working hard to keep the worry from their face. Doctors and nurses doing everything possible to get them back home where they belong. From rare brain tumors and leukemia 
to heart conditions and organ transplants, we offer a level of pediatric care unmatched in Louisiana. With more advanced capabilities than any other children's hospital in the region, even our kids-only ER can handle any pediatric emergency. In fact, the only thing tougher than the problems we see every day are the kids themselves. Choose the Auctioner Hospital for Children and never wonder if you could have done more. Call 866-AUCTIONER to find an affiliated pediatrician near you. Auctioner. Healthcare with peace of mind. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back to the program. Our coverage continues here from Cleveland where the Pelicans meet up with the Cavaliers tonight. Again, thanks to John Shays for stopping by and helping us break down some of the uh, Saints and 49ers yesterday. We'll do more of that now with Steve Weich, who joins us on this Monday from the NFL Network. But uh, I guess let's start out uh, up top here with the league, Steve, and then we'll work in and get a thought or two about Saints 49ers yesterday. Uh, quite simply, I, I, I think I probably ask you this most every week, but because things change, I still like asking it. Who's the best team in the NFL right now? Well, you know, I was at the Rams-Cardinals game, and I would probably say the Cardinals, but the whole Carson Palmer thing now has thrown a wrench you know, into that thinking. And, you know, to some degree, and it's just because you look at all the other playoff caliber contenders, and, and they've got their regular quarterback now. I mean, even Tony Romo coming back from the injury. And even though Drew Stanton stepped in and played well, they have tremendous faith in him. They've got the fantastic uh, defense. I mean, that defense... In some areas, they don't statistically rate, but I mean, they they create havoc. Um, you know, I still you still wonder, you know, if this team gets into the playoffs, you know, if Drew Stanton can be enough. You know, what happens if they make him one dimensional and take away the run game? So, other than Arizona, you know, you have to look at Denver. They're rolling right now. They're they're much like they were last season. Let's not, you know, I don't think they're the best team, but let's start paying some attention to the Detroit Lions as well. I mean, they're getting healthy. They've got that defense. I mean, they're solid at all three levels of the defense for the first time in years. And now the Calvin Johnson's coming back, and they're getting these tight ends back. Um, I know they had some injuries to their offensive line, but this is a very dangerous team. So the NFC, you know, I think you've got to look at, you know, the Arizona, Seattle, I'm going to, I'm going to put in there as well. Detroit and, and Green Bay. You know, that Green, Jay, Green Bay had that preseason warm-up game against the Bears <laughs> last night. Um, but, I mean, you know, Green Bay is going to be there as well as long as they've got Aaron Rodgers upright. Steve, back to Arizona for a moment. How spooky is this thing with Carson Palmer? I mean, it seems like every time he signs a contract extension, he has a significant knee injury. Remember the last time? That? Yeah, I mean, last time, you know, that's when he, you know, he signed it right before the playoff game against the Steelers, and then he took that lick. Um, when he was killing it, I mean, that's when he was really be emerging as one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And that whole knee had to be rebuilt. It wasn't just ACL. I mean, it was destroyed. Um, and he came back from that, and he's had injuries. I think teams need to stop signing quarterbacks midseason because <laughs> it, it just it just doesn't doesn't pan out well. I mean, you see Cincinnati signs Andy Dalton at midseason, and he's just played horribly <laughs> since. So, you know, they need to get these things done in the offseason and, and let it go from there. But I just feel sorry for, you know, I feel terrible for Carson Palmer because he was just coming back from that nerve injury, which, you know, apparently was pretty dicey. He didn't know if he's going to be able to come back from that in his arm. They're playing well. They're in a groove, a non-contact injury. You know, this might be his best shot to get to a Super Bowl, and, you know, he might be watching from the sideline. Yeah, no doubt. Now, with that nerve injury, that allowed Drew Stanton to get significant snaps as a starter Earlier in the season, boy, how big does that pay off now for the Cardinals if they go with Drew now the rest of the way? It, it, it's humongous because not only did he, you know, start those games, he went two and one. Remember the Denver game? He got hurt and they had to actually go to the rookie Logan Thomas when when they got you know their doors blown off. But the practice reps, you know, during the season, the backup guy does not get the practice reps. Well, Drew Stanton had three weeks of first team practice reps, so that also helped him get on the same page as the starting wide receivers. So now that, you know, that's why he could come into the game yesterday and deliver that beautiful deep ball to John Brown. He'd worked with him before. He'd, he'd known the routes before. You know, he's been with Bruce Arians. You know, he, he was with him in Indianapolis. But just getting those practice reps as well as some of that game experience is huge because now the players believe in him. 
he's come on the field and won. You know, right now heading into Monday night's game, I think all the players say, yeah, you know, Mark Sanchez, you know, he looked great in preseason. He set up to succeed in the system. Um, he did he did okay last week, but do they have the faith in him that he can continue this the way that the Cardinals players? Again, I was at that game. They say, you know, they hate the Carson went down, but they feel that they're going to be able to continue winning with Drew Stanton. They, they, they believe in it. Steve Weich for the NFL Network with us. You know, Steve, you mentioned, uh, well, obviously with, with Detroit's now in that situation and Green Bay the way they're playing, and here Arizona may have this quarterback issue in the NFC West, all of a sudden, and with Kansas City as a winner yesterday, all of a sudden for the first time this season, I feel this urge to ask you about the wild card race because I know there's still a lot of football to go, but this is really going to be wild. Well, now now's when we start to, to really get somewhat of a picture – because some somebody's going to slip. I mean, there's a team right now that that's playing, you know, kind of on the fence or, or whatever, but it's got a good record that that's going to slip. Is it going to be, you know, is it going to be Detroit? Let's not count out the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, they're four and five right now. Let's suppose they get Adrian Peterson back. That's an interesting situation. Hmm. Okay, but let's let's kind of go by by conference here. In the NFC West, it looks like. We could have two teams, and let's let's say Arizona and Seattle, maybe San Francisco. Two of those teams get there. Okay, there's not going to be a wild card team from the NFC South. Thank goodness. And there's, <laughs> there's probably not going to be a wild card team from the NFC East. So you're looking at, you know, Green Bay and Detroit. You know, with Minnesota is a is, is a is a deep option there, um, possibly, or three teams coming out of the West. You know, it's. It's interesting there. And then in the AFC, my goodness, you mentioned Kansas City. We haven't even talked about how well it has played. In the in the North, you've got all of those teams kind of together with Cleveland leading the pack right now. Um, you know, in the South, it's, it's, it's the Colts kind of running away with, with things right there. Um, and, and in the East, you know, you, you know, it looks like New England, but, you know, we can't. We can't sit our thumb our noses at Miami and Buffalo. So the AFC races are, are going to be thrilling. And, you know, unlike last season where, you know, you saw San Diego get in, I think, at 8-8, eight and eight, I think you're going to have some competitive races and some teams come out of the wild card that could, that could be good enough to play for the Super Bowl. Oh, no doubt. This is going to be thrilling, to say the least. The AFC North, Steve, as you just mentioned, with Cleveland and Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, Gosh, Baltimore, too. I mean, all those teams are above 500, and they're matched up on the schedule this year with the NFC South. How devastating has the AFC North been for the NFC South division as this is all played out? <laughs> the NFC South has been devastating to itself. I think this might be the year where, you know, they just want to wave the white flag and, and, and retool for uh, for 2015. Um, yeah, I mean, again, the AFC North, you know, is is, is – it's gotten fat, but now it's going to be tough. Cincinnati, their schedule, they only have two more home games the rest of the way, and we know that's where their haven has been. I mean, they were undefeated last year at home. Um, this year, you know, they just got beat by Cleveland at home, but that's where they put two more home games against Pittsburgh and Denver. You know, the rest of Cincinnati's schedule is brutal. I don't I, I don't see them making it. When all said and done, I think it's going to come down to, to you know, the other three teams and who knows? Because Pittsburgh looks great a couple weeks, and they fall back. Same with Baltimore. Cleveland looks like the most steady of uh, of the group right there. Mm-hmm. How about that? If Brian Hoyer gets gets Cleveland to win the division, and they get to host a playoff game, amazing! It could mean Johnny Manziel in another city next year via trade. It could be, but Brian Hoyer's a free agent. Cleveland's hand is going to be forced mm-hmm. a little bit. It, this <laughs> is going to be an interesting game of chicken to see if they want to commit to him for starters' money. Steve, it's one thing for John DeShazer and myself to look back on yesterday's Saints 49ers game, uh, but let's be real. John and I are with them all the time. We work for the organization, and while we try to you know, provide a clear and detailed picture, um, it sometimes is necessary to get an outside voice. So with that being said, a thought or two, if you don't mind, on yesterday's game at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Well, fantastic game. Um, you know, I look at it because I'm, I'm – very familiar with the Saints. I lived in Atlanta. I covered the NFC South for years, and I just say something with the the Saints is is off. And not to state in the obvious, but just think about offensively how they used to be a machine where Sean Payton could roll out a different personnel group every play, and they'd have you know matchup by alignment 
you know, they'd have an advantage before a snap took place, seemingly every down. Well, now it seems like everything is a struggle. I mean, Ingram has been fantastic running the ball, but the passing routes, you know, I don't know if because, you know, Cooks is a, is a rookie. And it, you know, besides Jimmy Graham being the constant, guys are having problems getting open. Drew Brees seems like he's just not as accurate you know, or, or something. It just it doesn't look right offensively. And then defensively, it seems like a crapshoot from week to week. That said, Take away that great play that Colin Kaepernick makes on the breakdown on fourth down and the Saints win the ball game. Or they're in the position to win the ball game. Mm-hmm. You know, Drew Brees doesn't fumble right there. You know, it's just there's there's, there's little things as the, as the old cliche goes, it's a game of plays and a game of inches, but it's true. And it seems like for the first time in years the Saints aren't falling on the, the positive side of those. But again, you know, the Saints used to be a team that the guys feared. I mean, that we, oh gosh, we don't want to have to play that offense. We don't want to have to deal with some things they have on defense. And, and I don't think teams are necessarily uh, fearing them like they used to. They just, you know, they used to be such a machine. And, and now there's, you know, there's just something that's not quite right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, have you gotten your assignment for the coming weekend yet, Steve? Not yet. Not yet. I wouldn't mind going to see that Detroit at Arizona game. No, that's that's <laughs> going to be a heck of a game between probably two two of the best teams in the NFC. No doubt, no doubt. Hey, Monday Night Football uh, is Carolina in trouble or is Philadelphia in trouble with their Sanchez situation? Carolina is in trouble. I mean, they they, they just can't score points. Um, their defense is, you know, they're getting hit for big plays where they just didn't get hit. It's just. You talk about a team where something's wrong. You know, Cam Newton is, is taking a lot of hits. It seems like he's being asked to do so much. And it's no surprise, you know, seeing as though their offensive line, you know, the left side retired this offseason with Jordan Gross and, and Travell Wharton. Um, you know, they just, you know, they're, they're going to have a hard time, you know, maybe getting to, to six or seven wins, which is crazy after the season they had last year. So I like Philadelphia here. Uh, even with Sanchez, I just think Shady McCoy and Darren Sproles just caused too many problems for Carolina. Wow, good stuff. Hey, Steve, I was always I appreciate it. I know you're just slammed on Mondays, well, most every day this time of year. But, uh, again, thanks again. I appreciate it. We'll look forward to hopefully seeing you next week. How about that? Always, always great being on. You take care. You too. Steve White from the NFL Network. All right, basketball-wise, Pelicans, Cavaliers. We'll talk it over to Joel Myers when we come back here on the Black and Blue Report. all across Louisiana with cash jackpots starting at $250,000. That's a whole lot of cash. From the neon lights of Shreveport, Bossier City to the banks of Grand Isle, Lotto is your game. It doesn't leave the state and there's nothing like it anywhere else. It's Louisiana fun just for Louisiana. Lotto, it's a whole lot of cash. Must be at least 21 to purchase. Stay up to date on the latest breaking New Orleans Saints news by downloading the team's official app presented by Verizon. Check out the 2014 schedule, league standings, and statistics. Plus, have access to watch live press conferences with Coach John Payton and players while reliving your favorite Saints moments. The Saints app makes the perfect game day companion with a detailed map of the Mercedes-Benz Superdome highlighting the facility's amenities. The free New Orleans Saints app presented by Verizon is available to download on iTunes and Google Play. It's Pelicans game day. This is the Black and Blue Report. We continue from Cleveland this morning. It's been a short night for the Pelicans and all around the team after yesterday's mechanical problems with the uh, airplane and whatnot. But uh, Joe Myers is up and moving already, and uh, he joins us here at the team hotel prior to the Pelicans and the Cavaliers meeting number one tonight at the queue. A good win on Saturday gets us uh, in a good mood here on this Monday, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I, we're up. I don't know how much we're moving, actually, <laughs> in Cleveland after what happened yesterday. And getting into the room, what, about 2.30, 2.45 yeah. in the morning, finally right. getting here. So almost like the second of a back-to-back. But uh, it was really encouraging what happened in San Antonio to lead as much as they did. To have the lead of that game from eight minutes remaining into the first quarter to then being hit with a a haymaker with 12 seconds to go, but then to respond the way they did, uh, give the young guys credit, and, and especially because it's in division, 
conference where the Pelicans really have to pick it up. They've got to have a better record in division. Last year it was 4-12. and 12. And on the road, too, to finally get that road win. So how did the Pelicans look better in your eyes? What step did they take against San Antonio? Well, little things. Uh, Tyreek Evans' shot looks dramatically different. That three at the end of the third was huge to go into uh, the fourth quarter with a 10-point lead. But uh, Anthony Davis, you know, is a generational player. And Drew Holiday and Anthony now are starting to click. And if that chemistry develops, and I've said this with David on our telecast, if you have a good one-two punch with a lead guard and a big, and that's what San Antonio has had now for the last decade, Tony Parker and Tim Duncan, then all of a sudden you're way ahead of the game in the NBA. And right now it looks like the Pelicans have Drew, who is sound. Drew's starting to find a rhythm. As great as Anthony has been leading the league in rebounds, leading the league in blocks after the first five games of the season, uh, don't discount what Drew Holiday means to this franchise and this team because once he clicks with Anthony and that chemistry develops, then all of a sudden everything else falls into place. He had double-digit assists for the first time this year. And another thing about Drew is we've been watching him, I guess, get healthy again over these first couple of games. And I guess that probably started back in October. Well, and also uh, his just the the look he has, and there's a rhythm to what he's doing with Anthony. And you bring up double digits on assists. He had 20 assists over the last two games, two uh, turnovers. And as David said when we were doing our post-game show, he goes, take one of those away because that was a drop by another guy on the baseline. It should be 20 over one. And I agree completely. But still, 20 over two over the last two, 10 to one, you're going to lead the league in assist-to-turnover ratio. So what Drew Holiday is developing, and not only on the floor, but you see it like I see it, he and Anthony now have a relationship off the floor that is really healthy. How big was it to get Eric Gordon out of his shooting slump on Saturday? Well, I, I, I like what they did on the break to give it up. And Drew did exactly that, so Eric good lay, layup out of it. And then Eric hit that three and started the game three for three. So Eric is going to be fine. It's tough to break out of a seven for 34 start. And you know Eric like I know Eric. He's a bashful guy, People, kind of a misunderstood guy. He really wants what's best for his team and his teammates. Everybody likes him. So you pull for a guy like Eric Gordon. Uh, but if the Pelicans are going to succeed, Eric Gordon – has to hit shots, has to keep them honest. It's the same way where Ryan Anderson is that third cog. As much as we talk about Drew and Anthony, Ryan Anderson has to be at a high percentage from beyond the arc, and, and not like he's got to get half his shots down out there. But for proper spacing on the floor, Ryan Anderson is a huge key for this team. I was just going to ask you, give me a role player that's made the difference here for the Pelicans that maybe they haven't had here in the recent past. I guess, is it Ryan at this point? Well, right now it's a, uh, uh, Omer Asik. Yeah. Omer Asik because he doesn't need the basketball. How many guys come into this game and, and say, I just want to defend and rebound? And that's why over the summer, Anthony was laughing. He goes, I like what I hear from this guy. So, And that was when they got together over the summer at the year, at the Worlds in 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 Spain, but Ashik is just a kind guy, and you can tell. I, I heard from the guys that you know in Houston and also in Chicago. You're going to love this kid. They're right, and, and now they've got a five, a really legitimate five. When we talk about the Pelicans, that just he, he stays in front of the rim. He wants to rebound. He's available. His hands are pretty good on the catch, and uh, he knows his role. So when you say that role player, it's not the guy outside anymore. And Greg Popovich talked about it. He said before the game. Ashik for the Pels is what Splitter is for the Spurs. He runs the floor, he gets up and down, he's really a workaholic, and he doesn't ask for the basketball. Yeah, good point, and, and good uh, correlation there, of course, with Greg Popovich's thoughts. Five games, Joel, is not a huge sample size, but tell me about the Pelicans' defense through the first five. Uh, average, yeah, not great, but average, and uh, will get better. Uh, all I know is... Five games into the season, the Pelicans are the seventh seed in the Western Conference <laughs> right now. And they've got a two-game winning streak. And, and they've got a little momentum where you go into a Cleveland in the matchup tonight and you feel like you can get it. And that's different. That is really a different feel. There's a little momentum with this team now. Uh, they're a deep, guard-rich team. If everybody stays healthy, there's some components off the bench. Uh, Jimmy Fredette, he's going to help this team down the road. Uh, it's not what he does at the defensive end of the floor. It's his spacing and keeping him honest at the opposite end where you have to guard him. He made a couple of creative shots and only two makes, and he didn't take a shot in 12 minutes of the previous game. But 
the guys that along the way in an 82-game season, you look back and you go, boy, that was big, that game. And then five games later, he hit another big shot, didn't he? It's not like he's going to do it every day. And, and we're going to talk about it. And you know it as you've been on this trip a long time now. It's the, the long march, and you need different guys to step up. So it's not automatic that it's one guy every night, but that's why, whether it's Austin Rivers with 12 points yep. and, and four uh, of assists or whatever that night, Jimmer Fredette with a couple of clutch ones at the end of the shot clock, every night it can be a different guy. But it's got to be somebody, though, right? right. And, you know, and without the depth um, that the Pelicans have, I guess, done without with the injuries and all that, you haven't had that ability to have, say, that different guy fill that role, that, that nameless role, right. or that key role on a given night. No, and, and it's funny because I, I equate it to baseball, 162-game schedule. And in baseball, it is maybe uh, more magnified because it's a longer march. And in baseball, you always find these guys that are like 28, 29, they hook up with the team, and, and all of a sudden, wow, where did he come from? And, and then it all clicked that season for him. When you put together a magical season, usually there's role players that are stars that particular given night maybe once out of every five or ten games. And the one key for the Pelicans more than anything else, and they can play close to 500 ball on the road if they get this done, they've got to win close to 30 games at home. They have to be a dominant home presence. That's got to be a better atmosphere and more of kind of a Dan, a pit, and a, a, because we have great fans. I've already seen it and you have for the last 10 years. And when it gets noisy in there and gets rowdy and people start getting up and out of their seats, and especially during timeouts after a good run, I mean, it is a great atmosphere. So now uh, that's got to be close to 30 wins because if you can go 30 and 11 mm -hmm. at home, look at it this way. And I said 31 and 10 with David on the air. If you go 31 and 10, and that's a great home record, then you can win 19 on the road and you're at 50. And you're 19 and 22, you're not even 500 on the road, and you're at 50 victories. The key for this team is home wins and also in division play where they were 4 and 12. If you can, because four of the five teams last year in uh, the division went to the playoffs. Right. All five could this year. It's that good in the Southwest Division, but you can't go four and 12. Out of those 16 games, you've got to have minimum of split, maybe a little over 500. Speaking of home, two more at home this week, and you'll have some momentum if you take care of business here tonight in Cleveland. And, of course, the Pelicans won here last year, Joel. But, man, it's different all over again here really? <laughs> along the shores of Lake Erie, huh? Yeah, just a little different. And they made a change, and I'm glad they won a couple of nights ago in Denver. They went to Marion in the starting lineup, which is a good move. A veteran who doesn't need the ball, he's off the ball, and he's running around, and chase, somebody's always chasing him. Uh, but bringing waiters off the bench, they're really talented, they're really deep. This is the time you want to face Cleveland before they figure it out, yeah. before they find all their pieces and the way it fits and the chemistry that they're eventually going to have because they're too good, they're too deep to struggle. So they're going to be a top two or three seed in the Eastern mm -hmm. Conference. But it's like a, a veteran pitcher in baseball. If you don't get him in the first inning or two, <laughs> he's going to settle into a rhythm and it's all over. And all of a sudden, they're getting into the bullpen in the eighth and ninth. So. It's a good time to be in Cleveland. Hopefully, the Pelicans come home with a three-game winning streak because then you can get on a roll. Right. Then you got the Lakers on Wednesday night, and good, the Lakers won last night. You don't want them coming in with an 0-6 or 0-7 potentially after a Memphis game the night before. So everything's clicking right now. Timing's everything in life, as we both know, and this could be a good time to be in Cleveland. Speaking of being in Cleveland, the Cavaliers themselves haven't been in Cleveland a whole lot. It's hard to believe this is only their second home game tonight. And having lost their opener here at home, is that a storyline in your eyes? Do they, do they have a little extra oomph because they've yet to win here in this building? Well, it was only one game, yeah. and there was too much spotlight on it. And everybody said, oh, this is what a spectacle, and maybe the biggest in the history of Cleveland sports. Well, no. You know, it's been 50 years since the Brown, Browns won in 64, but they've had moments here. And I've done football games here back at the old Municipal Stadium where it was a lot of fun, and, and it was a great battle, you know, with Testaverde or Kozar or going back even Brian Sipe days. So they've had, they've had good runs here. They've had a lot of fun here. They haven't had titles, and they're going to get a title. With LeBron here, they're eventually going to get a title. But, uh, no, they put too much pressure on themselves, and, and they laid an egg. Total egg. I watched the game. I, you know me. I was six hours on a plane yesterday. <laughs> I watched everything on the League Pass broadband while we were waiting for the equipment to arrive and, and get our, our plane and up and running. So I, I've watched the Cavaliers. 
a lot of things that are going to work for this team. Uh, a lot of things that are going to go well. Mike Miller isn't going to shoot the way he did over the first five games for them. Uh, James Jones is going to be a nice addition off the bench for them. Delta Vidova, who I really like, and he got hurt. Yep. He's not going to be available with a MCL sprain, I believe it is. So they're missing a guy off the bench that's very good for them. And they got to figure out what Deion Waiters is going to bring because he keeps saying, I'm not a catch-and-shoot guy. Well, buddy, if you're going to play with LeBron James, better. you better get with the program. <laughs> and Kyrie Irving, to me, is off the charts. He is so gifted and so talented. He is going to be a quick study on what it takes. Then they've got to get Kevin Love more touches down low. Everything right now for him is on the arc. And, and he can go down on the block, and then you can repose and let him reset. But they haven't done that yet. So he, they've got a long way to go. Pelicans do, too. They're finding out about components oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. the same way. But uh, it's you want to catch the Cavaliers now. I wouldn't want to see him after the All-Star game. No, I agree. Who guards LeBron tonight? You. <laughs> no you got as good a shot as anybody right now. <laughs> but that's the problem. And, I, and when we sat down, I said, you know, Tyreek is a willing defender but he's not big enough for a 6'8", 260 guy with 0% body fat, it seems, like LeBron. So it's going to be a tag team. It's got to be a tag team, and uh, it's going to be very difficult. But you can live with him getting his stuff if you just combine to kind of shut off other sources, and that's going to be the key as well. Don't let Kyrie Irving have 28 and 10 dimes on you. Uh, and Kevin Love sit out there and all of a sudden have uncontested shots or even down on the block have his way. Uh, so LeBron, give him his, but uh, take away the other sources. I still have a little more game prep to do. Maybe you can help me here. What should I know about David Blatt? Can you give me anything on him? Well, I'll tell you this. Scooney Penn, and I had Scooney at Ohio State with Michael Red and when they were in all Big Ten backcourt. Scooney played for him over in Europe and just praised him for being a player's coach an open coach who would listen to his, his squad and uh, talked about him in terms where if you can't play for him, you really can't play the game because he understands the player's needs, what a player wants, what he wants to hear, and, and, but very demanding at the same time. And also, uh, from picking up on a couple of other players that played for him over in Europe and in Israel, they said that he's a very good offensive coach, mm. that he they will move and the ball will move, and it's not going to be a stagnant offense. So it's going to be an adjustment period. So we talk about chemistry on the floor. Right. Hey, they got to click with their coach too, and, and know what he wants and what he's. And then the the key is listening to David Blatt because some guys are going to resist him. You know, he well wait a minute, he's not an NBA guy. Wait a minute, he played for Pete Carrill at Princeton. He knows how to play the game first of all, and, and he's won everywhere he's been in Europe, in Russia. I mean, last year when he won with uh, uh, in Tel Aviv, he didn't have the talent to win EuroLeague title, yet he won the EuroLeague title because he coached him up, so they're not going to have any problems with David Blatt. This is the old home tour for the Fox Sports New Orleans guys. Of course, uh, Joe Myers was in his old stomping grounds in San Antonio on Saturday. That's probably seeming like a long time ago. David Wesley on the broadcast tonight, he played here for a short time in Cleveland. So LeBron, you guys, you guys, have, that's season. right, that's right. You guys have some friends to see around here, don't you? Yeah, and it's also, you know what I love about Cleveland and Detroit? Uh, the loyalty factor. Yeah. When you come, and you and I both grew up in the Midwest, when you come to cities like this, and, and we grew up in St. Louis where the Cardinals, you know, are the passion of, and they're loyal. Even if, if there was an NBA team in St. Louis, even though it'd be the fourth sport, because they sell out the Blues and, and the Rams are sold out, uh, they'd sell out basketball because of the loyalty factor. So even though when LeBron left, it was filled here. It's like Chicago. Yes. Even in the dark days recently before Derrick Rose, Chicago still had 20,000 a night, the loyalty factor. So when you come to Cleveland, Detroit, uh, the loyalty factor stands out. These people care. They're going to be behind you. All you have to do is give them an honest effort, and that is the key. Uh, everything's going to click the same way as I see in this just my third year in New Orleans. The passion that everyone has, the care, the love they have for the Saints, it'll happen because the Pelicans are on their way. Pelicans are growing. They're headed in the right direction. There's a ton of talent, generational player in Anthony Davis. It'll be filled in that building in the near future on a regular basis for all of us in New Orleans. Hopefully four and two coming home for Los Angeles on Wednesday night from the banks of the Cuyahoga tonight. Joel Myers, David Weston on Fox Sports New Orleans. Thank you, sir. Have a good call tonight. Enjoyed it. Thank you. Yep. Joel Myers with us here on the Black and Blue Report. We'll wrap up the Monday edition here in just a moment.
I'm Tom Richards. I'm 35 years old, vice president of sales at a regional paper company. Six months ago, we decided to transition to one of those cool collaborative open space offices. So now I sit in the open next to three other sales managers, which means there's nothing separating me from... Not getting Carl's nasty cold and missing a sales opportunity this winter? That is my purpose. Blend it now. Try the Immune Builder Smoothie at Smoothie King. It's the tastiest way to stay healthy this winter. Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. All-Star Electric is lighting up the future with the latest in LED lighting. All-Star Electric specializes in the installation and conversion of the newest LED lighting products. This lasting investment is virtually maintenance-free and offers significant savings on your next electricity bill. This is Tim Blanchard, president of All-Star Electric. Let us evaluate your building, parking lot, or home for an LED conversion because we know we can save you some money. Everything you need to know about the Saints and Pelicans is right here on the Black and Blue Report. Well, I know of you. a lot of you have started playing it already, but uh, the new video game on the Pelicans app is a hit. Quest for the Coast, presented by Chevron, is available for you on this Monday if you've not yet tried it out yourself. Uh, very cool game. You're going to help us uh, save the wetlands with Pierre the Pelican, and that in-game uh, app is uh, spreading like wildfire now. Uh, so... It's, uh, it's easily downloaded on the Pelicans app. Of course, if you, if you have the Pelicans app already, just uh, use your left thumb and go to the navigation button at the top left part of the screen, and then you'll see it, Quest for the Coast, presented by Chevron. Give it a try this week, won't you, uh, while you're um, you know, at the office uh, taking a break, shall we say. Uh, we're going to take a break until Tuesday here on the Black and Blue Report. Good show today. Thanks to Steve Weich from the NFL Network, John DeShazer, of course, from NewOrleansSaints.com, and uh, Joel Myers from Fox Sports New Orleans. We'll have the ball game for you on the radio tonight at the uh, Pelicans Radio Network. Flagship station, of course, is 105.3 WWL-FM, but you may be finding the game tonight on 1350 AM. That's 3 WLAM for tonight's ball game against Cleveland. Otherwise, areas of the New Orleans metro can pick it up on 100.3 FM. That's an ESPN radio Affiliate television coverage is there on Fox Sports New Orleans, and we'll be hoping for a four and two start to the season, uh, provided the Pelicans can take down LeBron James and the and the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers tonight. We're back home on Wednesday. There are tickets available still for the Lakers game on Wednesday night, seven o'clock tip, and the phone number, of course, as always, is five zero four five two five. Hoop. Daniel Salerson's in the host chair tomorrow from Studio B in Metairie. We'll take you through the Tuesday edition of the Black and Blue Report. And now, from Cleveland, I'm Sean Kelly saying have a great rest of your Monday. It's a new week. We'll see the Bengals next Sunday. We'll start to focus in on that tomorrow as well. And with that, we'll say so long for just a while. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.